0: I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin in the Restorative Justice Ministry service to our incarcerated and to those who tend to them. I'm here with Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our pastoral care coordinator for the Gatesville region of Restorative Justice Ministry. And Renee Brown, Director of Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas. Uh, This is our sixth in uh, six segments on distance parenting, reaching out to our incarcerated, but indeed to all who uh, have times of their lives where they can't physically be in the presence of their children, and yet they want to try and continue to parent as best as they possibly can. Um, We have an address where you can write us if you have heard uh, any or all of the other uh, segments before we get into today's segment. And if you have questions for Renee, if you have questions for Deacon Ronnie or for myself, Father Harry, uh, feel free to write us at the uh, address that I'm about to give you. And also to give us any thoughts or ideas that you have for other areas where you wish to improve. And we might be able to bring someone to air that can address those areas where you would like to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ and your ability to reflect that faith to those that are in your family, most notably your children. So our address to reach us is Post Office Box 294, Gatesville, Texas, 76528. P.O. Box 294, Gatesville, 76528. Renee, in our last segment, you gave us a list of eight things that all children need. Unconditional love, acceptance, power and control, meaning choices, safety and security, fun and play, structure and consistency, emotional support, and positive role models. One thought that comes to mind as we begin our final segment here is that as you were speaking about those things in the last segment, my guess would be any number of people compared what those things were in their own lives Mm -hmm. and which ones of those were present from their parents or were not present from from their parents as as well, and having reflected on that, a given person can say to themselves, "Well, gee, I wish it, it could have been there, um, but I want it now to be in the life of my child." So, how do they how do they build positive relationships with their children that help to spread across all eight of those needs of children?
1: Sure, um, in terms of building relationships with your kiddos. I think one of the the most important and viable things that you can do is practice um, active listening or hearing. Um, Often we just kind of hear our kids, but we really want to take that time to focus in and listen to what our children are saying to us. Um, And that's asking them questions for clarifications. If you're not really understanding what they're trying to share with you, um, ask them, like, well, what did you mean by that? Or how did that happen? Or tell me more about that. Uh, The statement, tell me more about that, facilitates thinking. That statement helps your kid to kind of think a little bit more about what they're sharing with you. You can ask them, what were you feeling when this happened? Or what were you thinking? And so we want to facilitate active Listening. We really want to hear what our children are saying to us. And uh, we've talked about it before in other sessions. Validating feelings. I think is really important in relationships. That can be a, a challenge to learn because just like everything else we've talked about, if you didn't grow up in a home where somebody validated your feelings and it's something that you're accustomed to experiencing it may be it may feel foreign to do that. And so that's a practice too, but you want to be a supportive parent. Part of building that relationship is the listening, validating the feeling. You want your children to feel like they're safe telling you anything. Um I can remember my ex, it drove him crazy, some of the things that our kids would share with me. He'd be like, oh, my goodness. But I loved it, even though there were some things maybe I didn't want to know. I felt good that they shared those things with me so that we could have those conversations about it later on. I would also encourage you, too, that's something to think about as well. Sometimes conversations aren't meant for the moment. Meaning... If it's something that is angering to you or you feel like you're going to react in a judgmental, harsh manner, that's that time to step back and say, you know what? We're gonna to need to talk about this later. I I need to think about this for a while, and th- and that is perp- purposefully a uh, uh, perp. That's okay, right? I mean, that's perfectly okay to do that. Sometimes as parents, we feel like we have to address something immediately, but we may not be in the best frame of mind to address certain things. So, for example, um, my kid when he was like a maybe 16, him and some friends stole my car. And he was very honest about what they did. And in the moment, I mean, I don't mind telling you, I was irritated, you know, like, but I knew me well enough to know that this was not the moment to address it. His friends were there, so I didn't want to humiliate him. I didn't want to shame him. I mean, it's kind of typical that kids try to steal the car or will steal mom's car or whatever. But I wanted to take that time to get me in check before I lashed out and maybe said hurtful things like, What the hell were you thinking? Da-da-da-da-da. You could have been in a wreck. Everybody, you know, there's so many places we can go when we're angry and say things that are really hurtful and that do not facilitate learning and destroying worth and value in the midst of all that. So take that step back because you want your child to feel safe and secure in telling you everything. I would rather them tell me stuff that I don't want to know than not tell me anything that's going on at all. So that's just something to think about, too. You want to be supportive. You know, maybe they're wanting to do something that you don't really get. Like, hey, I want to play the violin. And you're like, oh, wow, I don't even like classical music or something. It's not about you. Take yourself out. This is about them and maybe their interest. So you want to support some of the things that maybe they're interested in, as long as it's legal, right? Like I'm not supportive all the, across the board, but certainly those things that maybe are different from you, you want to be able to support that. And talking about their feelings, we do not talk about feelings enough. It's interesting because I've heard a parents will come in and go, my kid is in their feelings. I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, what does that statement even mean? It's almost like parents didn't want their children to express feeling. I think it's scary for us as parents, or we feel like because we are the parent, we're supposed to know everything. We're supposed to have all the answers to everything. And you know what? It's okay that we don't know everything and we're not always going to have the answers. Um, But we definitely want to encourage our children to talk about their feelings, talk about the things that they're experiencing, what they're going through. This is how we create that relationship and getting to know them as individuals. If you have more than two kids, they're not all alike. They don't think alike. They don't process the same. You know, you want to know them as individuals um, and be accepting. Everything that we talked about in the eight things that kids need kind of play into the building of the relationship as well. Um, You want to know your kids. You want to know what they think about you know, things that are going, if they're a little older, like you want to know what they think about things that are going on in society. You want to know what they think about church and religion because it's your job to guide and coach them, right? So everything should be about the relationship with this kid and building that. And it's built on safety and trust and love. But that safety piece is primal because if you yell at me, If you shut me down, if you shame me, if you in any way make me feel like a failure or that I'm a bad person, then I'm not going to be willing to talk to you again. And I'm probably not going to be willing to have a good relationship with you. Um, So those pieces are going to be very important, especially when you're incarcerated because you're far away. Right. There's not they can't see if you're on the phone, they can't see your face. Um, So, you know. The way we say things, we need to be cognizant of the way we sound, the way our voice sounds. If we're in person, we need to be cognizant of the way our facial expressions read. If you look really hard, my, my dad, um, who is fabulous, by the way, but he could look at my younger sister a certain way and she would cry. Like, you know, it was just devastating that he was looking at her like that. So there's so many things that are important to be aware of when you're creating the relationship uh, with your kiddo. Um, one of my kids that I worked with in counseling, her dad was incarcerated and what, this is so minute, but so huge to her. In one letter that he wrote her, he called her his princess and he had always called her his princess. But in the next letter, he didn't call her that. And that one thing she noticed and it stuck out to her and she's like well what if I'm not his princess anymore like what does that mean like we did this whole session on what do, and I said well let's write him a letter and find out because maybe he just forgot to put that in there he or he may not have realized like how important that was to her that she was still his princess even though she was getting older those kind of things and so you know being very cognizant of some of maybe the relationship pieces you've had before and how they're gonna play into the current relationship, too.
0: Let me do one follow up on that before mm-hmm. we move to the next question. And that would be the reality that when a parent is in a distance parenting re- uh, reality, whether it's military deployment mm-hmm. or incarceration, which is our primary topic, but spread that wherever it applies. Um, that's going to mean that they've got a set of circumstances that are not normal, Mm -hmm. uh, that they're having to overcome and navigate a day-in and day-out life reality where they're at. And then they hear what you're talking about, what we're talking about today. And if I'm a parent in that situation, particularly in prison, I might say, gee, that's an awful lot of work that she's talking about. I'm barely hanging in here, just navigating mm-hmm. my daily uh, life in, in incarcerated. So my question is, how do you? Can you give some advice about how to shift gears from me mm-hmm. to being that parent?
1: I think one of the things that you could do to help is in your day, if if there's a way to do it, is to carve thirty minutes in your day, just thirty, that it's about somebody else other than you. So realizing that for incarcerated persons throughout the day, you may have a job there or you may have um, classes that you're taking or maybe you're just hanging out on your bunk and you do have to be aware of surroundings. You do have to be aware of what's going on. I mean, you have to be on your toes all the time because there's violence and all these other things that are happening. But if there's somehow in some way that you can get in 15, 20, 30 minutes where you can literally... And you may have to write it down. I am not an incarcerated person. Now I need to be in dad mode. I need to be in mom mode. Let me, And take notes. Notes are helpful. I take notes um, for these presentations that we're doing, right? Notes will help you. But just writing some things down like, you know, my daughter, you write your daughter's name and just write down some things about her that you want to remember or, you know, little things that you remember about her personality. Do the same thing for your son or your other daughter just to kind of keep you on some to- your toes or what are some things that you want to talk about. But literally, you have to pull yourself out of that place. It kind of goes back to, I think, segment one or segment two when I talked about, Um, I was teaching and, you know, I had to retrain myself. Like when I went into school every day, I was a teacher. When I came out of school, I became mom, right? So this is the kind of the same thing. You're training your brain. Everything is training the brain. So it's giving yourself those moments that literally you're going to tell yourself. You're going to speak to yourself and say, I am not an incarcerated person at this moment. I'm not number, whatever your number is, whatever you need to do to pull yourself out of self, pulling yourself out of yourself for just a few moments and saying, wow, I'm dad or I'm mom. Right now, I'm Shelby's mom. Right now, I'm Antonio's mom or Antonio's dad. And get focused just for 30 minutes on kids and how you can support them, what you can do for them, those kind of things. And asking Jesus, sorry, y'all are about to say something, but I just go to Jesus a lot. This is the person that's going to get you through all of this, right? Like going to him and saying, can you help me for these 30 minutes to be focused on my kids you know keep me safe during that i think that also gives you that feeling of calm just knowing that he's surrounding you at that time and he's going to help you during that moment that that time that you're thinking about your kids and not yourself
0: i would definitely want to add mary into that mix as well mary mother of god help me to parent as you parented
1: absolutely
0: renee you touched on um three things that are keenly important to the incarcerated soul, and that is phone calls, mm-hmm. letters, and visitation. What are some activities that the incarcerated parent can use to facilitate communications and relationships with their children through these three mediums?
1: You know, um, when Tierney was incarcerated, <clears throat> it I, I loved watching other people. So I would suggest... This is just a suggestion, but when you have opportunity for visitation, it is so critical that that visitation be about you and your kids. And I know mom is sitting there, grandma's sitting there, you're, there's all these other family members, but those persons need to understand that this two-hour visit, just two hours that you're getting should belong to those children, that is how you keep the contact going. They are in your physical presence. physically, they are in front of you, and when I would go to visit it was it was crazy. I would be watching and Tierney and I had an agreement like when I'm here to visit, I'm gonna say hi, hug you all that but this this time is for you and Courtly. This is your time. You can talk to me on the phone later about the family gossip and everything going on in town or whatever. This time is your time. And I would watch other people, and a lot of times the kids were being ignored, you know, or the kids would have very minimal interaction with the parent because the parent is so busy talking to their mother or their sisters or whoever's there getting all the family gossip or who's dating who and what's going on. That is secondary. That child is your primary focus. That is your opportunity to parent and to build that relationship. And I... I, I remember distinctly leaving um, prison one day and the guards, uh, Corley would always wave by to, to tyranny when we were leaving. And one of the guards said to me, he's the only kid that does that. And I thought, wow, that is sad to me that he's the only kid kissing, you know, blowing kisses to her and waving to her as we're leaving. But that's because of the relationship that they had established every other weekend for two hours when we were there. So that's critical foremost. So when you have that opportunity to to visit one-on-one, you need to take advantage of it. And those are those times that you can spend getting to know each other. Um, have one of the kids go grab books. They have books. They have paper. They usually have crayon and coloring uh, pictures. Whenever I went to do visitations, that stuff was available in the room. Read a story with your kid. Um, do activities with them. Like, if they're just learning to read, have them go through and pick all the words out of the book. Um, how would they want the story to end? How could it end differently? So some of these things are just educational things, but they create relationship. Because you're getting all this feedback from them. Depending upon what the story is, depends upon the questions you would ask. Like, who was your favorite character in the story? What what should, if a certain character did something, well, what could they have done differently? You know, what would Jesus say about that behavior in the book? Or something like that. You can incorporate all sorts of things. How does this affect our family? What would we have done if this would have happened? And if you have more than one kiddo there... Ask them all what their perception is of the book, who their favorite character was. How does this relate to if there's a problem in the story or a behavior in the story? What would God thought about that? How What would Jesus do to resolve this? How would we do this as a family? So many opportunities with writing. If if they're younger, you can get a coloring sheet. Color together. Corley and Tierney would sit there and color together. Then they would draw pictures together. And because he missed her so much they had this thing where they would draw princesses and he would tell her, he goes, "Mommy, you're beautiful just like a princess." You know, and they would talk about that, you know, and talk about, "Well, what how should princesses behave or princes?" And they are sometimes they would even make up story stories about the princesses that they were drawing. And so just a lot of interaction. Um, When he was learning to read, she would take books and have him go through and pick out sight words. Like, can you look at every page and let's find the word the, find the word and. So a lot of things like that and just getting to know him, like, well, what are you into? What toys do you like to play with? What's your favorite toy right now? You know, what's your favorite movie? Tell me about that. And everything was always tell me about that. Or if he had a situation that happened in the week, she'd say, well, Well, how did you and Gigi fix that problem? So we would do some problem-solving stuff too, which is very critical, Um, helping kids know how to problem-solve. And so she would talk to him about those sort of things. So you want to really make sure that when they're in front of you, you're taking that opportunity to, to engage with them, finding out what they're into, what is their favorite thing right now, what food are they into, what video game. Um, just learning about them and kind of being an open book to them uh, to them as well. Like, well, what do you want to know about me? Like, what would you like to know about mom or those kind of things? Especially if it's part of a story or a book that they're reading, that can be really, really helpful. I love anything that has to do with problem solving. You know, you could even ask him like, So, hey, what went on at school last week? You know, did you, were there any problems? Did you have trouble with your homework? And they say, yeah, then you can help problem solve with them because that's something else that parents do. We help our children learn how to problem solve. And so when they're giving you an example of something that happened, you know, you could easily say, oh, I bet that was tough. But mom probably helped you with that or dad probably helped you with that. No, that's your opportunity for coaching and guiding. Or in certain situations, bringing God into that. Well, what would God want us to do? You know, maybe if somebody's being bullied at school, one of the kids, well, what would God want us to do? How would we need to handle that? Certain things like that. Um, also, it's a great time to talk about family and family history. It's always interesting to me how so many kids, when I taught school, were not aware of their family history, whether it was just the culture of the family or culture overall, having those conversations can be helpful with kids as well. Um, if you have older kids, one of one of the things I was thinking about this morning is if you're kind of stuck with some of this by phone, you know, you don't have those opportunities for in person visits, or you don't have opportunity for video visits, and you're doing a lot. Of, you can do all the same stuff on the phone, but. Right now, um, so you all know that my son is incarcerated. We're actually doing a bible study together. So he, he loves Bible study, he loves religion, that's a thing that he's into. So he's like, Mom, like you can't converse with me because you're not a, you haven't read this. So like I'm gonna be reading um the five book of Moses. And so I told him so, well, why don't you create some questions? And we'll you know, we'll kinda do a study of this. So I think that is something that parents easily with older kids can do. You can take either your Bible that's there in in the prison. They have Bibles everywhere. Get out the Bible, you know, create some questions or work with, you know, ministry. Like, what do you think are some good questions that I could share with my kiddo, you know, to kind of facilitate their religious learning, you know, and then you as a parent, you need to read through it. You have your questions. You tell your kid, like, hey, I need you to read this verse and this verse. And here's some questions that I want you to answer. And then we're going to come back together on the phone next week. And let's go over this and see what you came up with. These are great ways to facilitate learning, connection, family, and just facilitate that relationship. And if if um, you don't want to use the Bible, pick a book out that you and your—it's going to have to be more for teens— but pick out a book that you think they would be interested in and you're both reading it and asking questions. What is the learning from this? How do you relate to this character? What do you think could have been done differently? How would you have liked the story to end? So there's a lot of different activities that you can actually do from afar. If your children are uh, younger you could, treat, you could create your own worksheets. I created worksheets for my kids, right? So you could create some worksheets for your kiddos and mail them to them. If you have access to a stamp and paper and pencil, like kind of doing the dotted letters. And that way your kiddo can practice doing their letters. Or you could even write stories where and put a word box at the bottom. And they have to go in and do, you know, fill in the blanks kind of thing. Uh, you could do math problems. So there's different activities that you can do and mail it to them, and then they're going to mail it back to you. Hopefully, same thing with um, drawing pictures. I mean, you could take a piece of paper, uh, draw something about your family, mail it to your kid, and they're going to fill in the rest. So, like you draw the picture of the house. Well, what is our, you know, what does this look like to you in terms of family? You're gonna mail it to your kiddo, they're gonna fill it in with flowers or trees or people, whatever they want, and they're gonna mail it back to you. And then it's open for discussion when you see each other in person or when you see when you're talking over the phone. And so those are just some of the the few activities that I came up with. You could even put together some problem solving things on your own. Like if this problem arise, how would you work through it and then coach your kid on how to do it? So it could be something like well, a kid at school is bullying you. How how are we going to problem-solve that situation? And then you help your kid over the phone or in person make out a problem-solve, you know, create a document for problem-solving through that situation. And that could be a multitude of situations for them. So those are just some of the activities. I, uh, coloring pages. Um, it was funny. Tierney would do that sometimes. and get Now, get clarification. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But sometimes she would... Have coloring pages or something that somebody drew in prison, she would send it to him and ask him to color it. And we still have those. Um, we still have some of those pictures in his drawer. Letter writing. I think it's just one of the the best things that you could do for creating that relationship. You know, talking and asking your kids questions. You know, it could be just remember, what what do you remember about your kid? You know, I remember when you were small and you loved dinosaurs. Kids love that stuff. That, That right there says, oh, I did have an attachment with my parent. We did have a relationship. He or she remembers these things about me. And so sharing some of your memories and then, but what's new now? You know, maybe you're not into dinosaurs now, but maybe you're into something else. Corley, we still have those letters and the pictures that she drew or the pictures that she would have other people draw or the cards that she sent him. He has them in a box under his bed. And one of the pictures actually hangs on his bulletin board in his room. It's been there now for four years. And those things were so meaningful to him that he wasn't forgotten. He wasn't abandoned. She was still thinking about him. She was still finding ways to communicate with him and to be creative with him. And so those are just some of the things that you could do with your kiddo, either in person, over the phone, um, or letter writing.
0: I could think, too, um, just comes to mind if the child or children of the incarcerated person are regularly getting to go to Mass, um, and I, in the prison where I'm at, am regularly going to Mass, um, do a comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about what it, what did the, the priest or deacon preach about that weekend at your place, at my place? What did they sing? Um, what, you know, any number of things. Was, was there... Uh, something that that was different, or something that caught mm-hmm. your attention, or something that was funny, and and literally get into a dialogue about their experience of liturgy. And your experience of liturgy and and kind of grow together in that because, you know, what do families do when they're driving home from church? I'm sure that they spend a fair amount of time uh, breaking down what happened or what didn't happen in Mass, and this would be a way to kind of replicate that as well. And it doesn't have to be all serious or theological, it can be that, but it can also be fun as well if people mispronounce something, or or if, like in my case, I sweat constantly, so I'm sure that the ladies and the <laughs> and find that to be something amusing, and and so you know, did your priest sweat as much? Well, I bet mine sweated a bucket, you know, and, and well, mine was only a glass. Whatever it might be that 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 keeps them co- connected in a like experience with their child.
1: Oh, I think that's wonderful. When we, um, so I'm a new Catholic, but um, my grandson is not Catholic took him to Catholic Church for the first time, and he cried. So afterwards, I asked him, I said, Corley, what were you crying about? He goes, the song was so beautiful, it made me weep. And I thought, wow, how touching. So that's that's a great idea for facilitating relationship.
0: Well, we're grateful to you for these six segments that we've done. Uh, we are planning another six segments on post-incarceration. What do I do now that mm-hmm. I'm out? You've had— Two children that have been through that process. Um, You're a licensed professional counselor, 23 years as a teacher. We're greatly looking forward to what you you can tell us about all that in in our next six segments. Again, uh, if you want to write us, P.O. Box 294, Gatesville, 76528. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.